The cannabis industry can be very scary and exciting at the same time, but you're not alone. Join the community and understand all the different influential people and ancillary providers who can help you scale and grow your audience and your business. I'm your host, Kamin Tharath. Let's dive into the Cannabis Business Development Podcast. All right, welcome back, everyone. Really excited to have our special guest today, Jeremy West, who is a co-founder at East Coast Herbalist. And Jeremy and I got a chance to know each other over the years, and then he got into the the cannabis space. So very excited to have him on the show today. A little bit of background about this special guest that you guys are going to hear from is that Jeremy is a healthcare executive with a background in behavioral health, neurology, and pharmaceuticals. He's also been involved in multiple startups, coaches soccer, plays hockey and lacrosse, and enjoys spending time with his wife and two daughters. His family and community are the most important things to him. His biggest professional goal is to help bridge the gap between the cannabis industry and healthcare. He believes our healthcare system is broken, and he genuinely believes that cannabis and other natural medicine can transform the industry for the better. So welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me, bud. I didn't know you played all those other sports. I mean, I'm a big soccer fan myself, and I'm actually looking to get my son into lacrosse, hopefully this year. So. Listen, if you need some gear, I have so much lacrosse gear. Lacrosse is such a great sport, but you know it's a hotbed in like upstate New York, Virginia, Less so here in New England, but I feel like it's becoming bigger and it's an awesome sport. He's going to love it if he gets into it. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. In my upbringing, lacrosse was not a thing. So I played a lot of soccer, which I would never change that. I love it. Love it. Yeah, soccer is a great sport too. (laughs) Lacrosse is very similar, like big field, lots of running. A lot of people ask me like, you know, because they're not sure about lacrosse. And I tell them, I feel like lacrosse is actually really closely related to basketball, like how you move on the field, but it is a great sport and I hope it gets more exposure around here. Well, with cannabis, there's a lot of exposure happening right here on the East Coast. So Jeremy, tell me a little bit about how you got into the business. Sure. So I worked in neurology for most of my professional career and in, in behavioral health. So a lot of the applications for cannabis use are in those fields. So, you know, I was exposed in that way. But for me, on a personal level, I was always like as a young person, for whatever reason, gravitated towards cannabis. You know, we all have these kind of like young and college experiences where, you know, binge drinking, these things are super common. And I was never really a big drinker. And for whatever reason, my young days kind of gravitated towards cannabis. And, you know, looking back in hindsight, I think a lot of it had to do with being an anxiety ridden person and sort of self-medicating and dealing with my anxiety by using cannabis. But, you know, I kind of developed this love for the culture and the plant itself. And in healthcare, where my past life was, it still was like this taboo thing. So you almost had to kind of be hush-hush about it. You didn't want people to know you either used cannabis or certainly not smoking it. It was just thought of like, you're probably a lazy person. And, you know, it's part of the stigma I see as being related to cannabis use and, you know, getting into the industry for me, I like to try to be more vocal about, hey, you can be a professional and dabble with cannabis and use it for a recreational use or a medical use. And that doesn't mean that you're a criminal or you're a bad person or certainly like irresponsible in any way. So, you know, that's 
to me how I got kind of exposed to it. And then when the laws changed in 2018 and they passed the farm bill, I'd always kind of thought about getting into the cannabis industry, but it was really almost this far-fetched thing. Like, how would I even do that? You know, if I want to go into the medical marijuana industry, you're going to need like so much investment money and the licensure is so tedious. And the hemp industry gave me that sort of path to dip my toe into the cannabis industry and not have to deal with all the regulations and all the licensure that went with um, medical cannabis. And since I was a transplant from the medical field, and it, you know, we say quote unquote medical marijuana, even though I feel like most of the focus is on the rec market, the hemp side is definitely more medicinal. So it's been a great fit to sort of get acclimated and get familiar with how this industry works, short of just being you know, a, a consumer of these products. I mean, it's new here in the East Coast a few years, right? So like going into it, other f- folks who are listening are probably wondering, like, I'm on the fence. I wonder if I should get into this space or not. Like, can you share some stories of like, what were their challenges that you were facing? And then maybe help give some insight to those that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I think there are so many challenges. One just being you know, family and friends and work colleagues kind of like, you know, I left a pharmaceutical job voluntarily to pursue this passion venture for myself. And it left a lot of my colleagues kind of scratching their head. Like, why would you leave this sure thing that you've worked so hard to have a career in? And now you're kind of doing this other thing. Like a lot of people didn't understand. And I think sometimes the old, especially like my parents or like my wife's parents, you know, it was this older way of thinking and this older generation of being like, you know, you're leaving the medical field to go into cannabis, like head scratcher to them. So there was certainly elements that made it challenging and, you know, feeling like I had to explain myself to people. Now, the other thing that I think was also probably the the two biggest hurdles was just getting into this industry and how many people were interested and how much competition there is. So it's great to sort of make a plan and you start down the path, but you know, you're fighting so many things against all the competitors. Everybody else is trying to rush into the industry. How do you differentiate between what the next person's doing and what you're doing all the hurdles you know very well in terms of marketing these businesses and being a small startup where you don't have an endless supply of money to navigate these things. It's really challenging to get in and figure out where your place is and, you know, kind of segue out of something else to doing this full time. Like, I think a lot of people kind of dip their toe in. It was like a side hustle thing for them. And it's hard to do that. You know, you're going to launch a business and not be fully kind of immersed and dedicated to it. It's hard to get it off the ground. Never mind all the competition you're dealing with and the marketing hurdles, you know? So are you seeing folks, Jeremy, that are kind of trying to do a side hustle? Like people give advice about that. Try it until it gets to a point where you need to fully go in full time. Is that what you did or do you think it's all or nothing? You know, I think there are different ways you can approach it. And I think 
a different way is going to work for someone else and maybe not for me, but it's really on preference. I would say that if you can dedicate yourself to it, I think you're going to have a higher likelihood of being successful. But at the same time with, you know, sort of accurate expectations and proper planning, if this is something that you're trying to segue out of like a, a different career or a different industry into this industry, I think there are ways that you can do it sort of slowly and methodically, but it's definitely hard because like I said, I think the biggest thing is how much competition and you have to kind of understand what your goal is from the beginning. Are you trying to be a retailer and sell these types of products? Are you trying to have a business that sells a service to the people that are in this industry? There's so many angles you can approach it. I think just knowing what you want to do and having a plan will make you much more likely to be successful. If you were able to turn back time, Jeremy, right, and talk to your younger self or yourself in the beginning, what would you have done differently or, or have said to yourself to hopefully maybe avoid some of the the challenges that you have. And I think challenges are lessons, but you know, what different things would you have done differently? You know, I think I would have taken a second to, I, I don't know that there was preparing myself for the amount of challenges that we've faced over the last, you know, two and a half years, everything from industry challenges and things that maybe we kind of knew and prepared for a little bit to, you know, going through a pandemic and dealing with COVID and sort of the death of retail. And this all coincided with us launching our business. So I think the bottom line is, I don't know that I would do anything different. I think that I would just kind of give myself the pep talk of be prepared to change directions on a dime, to adapt very quickly. This industry moves so fast. You know, something that was working two months ago becomes obsolete. But I, for me, I love the challenge of that and having to sort of adapt quickly and think on your feet. That's part of, I think, the allure for one, being an entrepreneur, but specifically for this industry for me personally. Yeah. And not many people like change, right? So it sounds like this particular industry is prime for you because you like that challenge. So like, what are other like things that you feel are your favorite aspects about this industry? I mean, the things I love about this industry is that, you know, I always hear people saying like, you know, did you get in not early enough or it's too late to get in now? And it's like, you know, in the cannabis industry period, whether it's hemp, CBD, the medical market, whatever you're doing, we're in the infancy of this business in this country. It's not even federally legal at this point. So there's still so many things in front of us where if you are wanting to get into this industry, one, it's an emerging industry. It's huge. People are making all sorts of predictions that it will eclipse even you know the alcohol industry and it has so much upside potential, but the bottom line is I feel like we're still on the ground floor here. So for me, it was also about getting in and just failing fast, falling on your face, figuring out what didn't work, fixing it, because hopefully five years from now, when the industry has evolved tremendously, we're in a position where like, we're kind of one of the people who have navigated the space. And now we have experience, even though it's like, you know, we're only five years in, 
we're five years ahead of the other people that maybe were waiting for things to shake out a little bit differently, you know? It's not always being the first one to go to market. I think it's also, you have to do it well. Because no matter what industry you're in, if it's new or it's been established, you still see new people coming into well-established industries. It comes back to like branding and the value of your business and how you go to market. So there's a lot of variables in play and it's gotta be so complex you know, you trying to figure that out, right? Navigating, like, how do we position ourselves? Everyone else says we want to be the Apple in the industry, right? Yep. It's like, well, what does that mean? Because what what is that modern or that clean look? What does that mean? So everyone has different interpretation to that. Have you heard things like that? Like, what did you feel was like how you wanted to position yourselves when you guys opened? You know, it's funny that you mentioned Apple because when we opened, we first opened on e-commerce only, and then quickly we kind of evolved into, all right, let's open a, a brick and mortar location. And when we were thinking about what we wanted the store to look like in our head was like Apple store, simple, clean, innovative. We wanted to do these things and it was open a retail store, pandemic. So we plan for all these things and then plans change. And I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from like going down this path is that, you know, planning is important and you need to have a solid idea and, and plan going forward, but also you have to be willing to adapt and change and switch directions. Otherwise you're just not going to survive here. And, you know, I hear a lot of people talking and saying like, you know, they want to be this, they want to be that. I would just tell people, just be yourself. I think that's the the best piece of advice I can give somebody when it's genuine and it's authentic and you just find your voice and you know, whoever you're resonating with, that's your audience. That's the people that have like-minded views on maybe what you do. And you don't have to try so hard to like manufacture this image or the right things to say. It's just be yourself and see, you know, kind of who that resonates with, you know? On, on that, Jeremy, do you feel it's a good idea to like broad approach and try to get every market or like niche down and really be selective on your target audience when you're talking about being yourself? So like sometimes not everyone, you know, not everyone loves soccer like you and I, right? So they don't want to hang yeah. out with us. You know, not everyone likes this type of CBD or hemp or whatever. So like unpack that a little bit. So I'm a big believer in that, you know, the niche market is the way to go because, I think when you try to appeal to everybody, you're not doing a good job of talking to anybody specifically. You're just talking very generally. And then you kind of get lost in the noise. And to sort of piggyback on the point you made, like not everyone likes soccer. Not everyone likes the things. Not everyone's going to have the same ideas and uh, mindset that I have. And that's okay. But I also don't really resonate with those people and they don't resonate with me. So I'm a big believer in you just talk to the people that you kind of vibe with. And I don't need to appeal to everybody. I just want to hit the market that um, makes sense for me, that it doesn't have to be this forced thing, that we can talk about things and it resonates with some people and some not so much. Like for me, I'm, you know, a transplant from the medical field. So some people, don't care about the medical aspect of cannabis. And that's okay. There's a huge rec market. There's a whole culture that kind of goes along with it. And 
I feel like somewhat part of that culture, but also my audience, my target are the people that are trying to use these products for medical uses to help balance their lives or alleviate certain symptoms that they can do naturally, not using pharmaceuticals. And that's the audience that I really vibe with and I choose to talk to. What do you feel is the myth about what you're doing or the segment of the industry that you're doing? You know, I hear people ask questions all the time about, you know, does CBD really work? Is it snake oil? Is this like the next thing that they're just trying to to shove down our throat? And, you know, sometimes I question that too. But the thing that I keep coming back to is that there are so many different types of people that are in this industry. And there are certainly people that it attracts because it's an emerging market. It's kind of a hot thing. Everybody's trying to get involved to make money. But for me, it's more about, obviously we have a business. It's about making money, but at the same time, it's more than that. It's my past experience seeing people with certain neurological conditions that have tried you know, every medication under the sun and they're really struggling with life and just having good mental health and to be able to help them and use these types of products, that to me trumps anything that we do in this business. I feel like that's my calling and that's what I try to do. And, you know, everybody's going to have their own individual way of looking at it and that's okay. I just urge people, that's the case, find out what your goal is, what really moves you. And then that's the logical place for you to start, you know? I'm always interested in in hearing people's version of like, what does success mean for them? So I I would love to hear, what does that mean for you, Jeremy? Because I feel like you feel strongly about your values and how you want to run a business, but also what you do in your community. So what does success look, look like for you? So, you know, success, I feel like so many times is measured monetarily. And of course, if you're an entrepreneur, and if I told you I didn't care about money, I'd be lying. I mean, I didn't start a business to um, not make any money. But at the same time, you know, the things that I care about are talking to the community and getting people to understand that, you know, cannabis doesn't have to be this taboo thing. It's to me, no different than people who choose to drink a bottle of wine or have a cocktail with dinner in the rec market. That's what people are doing. And it really has this negative stigma to it, right? Like the classic Cheech and Chong thing where people think, you know, if you use cannabis, you're a burnout or you're lazy, or you're probably neglecting your kids. Like, you know, these are myths that to me, I really care about sort of setting the record straight on that because I consider myself a professional. I'm a parent. I use these products. I'm not a bad parent. I'm a business professional. I'm not lazy. I work harder than most of the people that I associate with and know, but that's entrepreneurship, you know? So that to me is one of my biggest goals. That and just uh, getting the medical community to sort of accept that cannabis could have a place there. I don't think this is ever going to overtake medicine that, you know, it's cannabis or going to see the doctor and getting pharmaceutical pills. It can be 
both. And I think when the medical community really embraces this, that the patients will benefit. There's more options. There's things that are less risk to a patient that are natural that they can try as like a first line if they're not sure if they want to use pharmaceuticals or for the patient that's run the gamut with pharmaceuticals, maybe an option that could work for them and when they're all out of other options. You mentioned earlier uh, something about community, Jeremy. So like how often and, and what is it that you do to connect with the community? Sure. For us, it's mainly through social media. We try also to be really hands-on with our customers and our patients. One of the reasons we opened a retail location in North Smithfield, Rhode Island, which is kind of, you know, right in the midst of, I live in Millville, which is the next town over. It's in the community we live. We wanted to have a venue where people who are interested could come to the store and feel comfortable to talk to people who could guide them and give them advice and, you know, really be hands-on. I take an interest in all the people that are looking to us to buy these products because I want them to have a good experience, but I also want them to be well. I want them to feel better. They're coming to us for that reason. So we really try to be hands-on. We do a number of events in the community, you know, getting out and educating about cannabis, about CBD and how to use these products. We've done things at different doctor's offices, and we even spoke at um, an elder care facility where I think they were a little bit interested in some of the patients knowing a little bit about CBD, and they were open to sort of implementing it. So any chance we get to do things like that or events like that where we can obviously plug our brand, but educate the community and talk to them and answer questions and just try to make them feel comfortable with you know, using these types of products. I'm sure as you got into, even prior to the industry, I'm sure there was a different community, the cannabis community. Could you give me a little bit of like, what does that community mean to you? And what does it look like? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, people talk a lot about, you know, the term that I hear is legacy market, right? And to me, all that means is the black market. People that sort of came up, selling cannabis or growing and cultivating or making these products that were doing it illegally. And there's really this culture that evolved from it. And now we have, you know, sort of this change in laws in, in Massachusetts, specifically where I live, medical and recreational cannabis are legal. Anyone that's over 21 can walk into a store and buy cannabis. The thing that I think sets it apart is we kind of talk about this internally with ourselves, with my partners, and there's this sort of can of money that comes in and they have taken over everything and they haven't really been part of the culture. They weren't there before all this stuff became legal. They were there to reap the benefits of when that movement happened. They had millions of dollars to go in and open the first dispensaries and you know, be on the sort of receiving end of the business of cannabis. But in my opinion, that's where all this started. You know, people that were really taking chances with their lives and some people, I mean, you could refer to them, I guess, as criminals. But at the end of the day, a lot of people were probably similar to me, you know, had a love for this plant, used it personally, you know, 
doing things for patients, whether they have cancer or anxiety or something benign or something significant, there's this culture that I think got sort of pushed aside as the money came in. And there's this balance of like, you know, legacy market versus the kind of big money that's coming in and overtaking the industry. And I think that, you know, hopefully we can do things like there's a company that we work with that was donating to this cause called the Last Prisoner Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but what it is, is they try to take people who have been incarcerated for cannabis and, you know, give them an opportunity to like work in the industry and have that opportunity outside of being an inmate or incarcerated and have that be a viable option for them so that we don't continue this pattern of like, hey, someone went to jail because they were growing cannabis and they ruined their lives and now they can't get a job and they can't do these things that, yeah, there's a viable option here in this industry. And I think as the attitude evolves towards cannabis and people become more accepting, we'll have less need for those things. But right now, I, I see it as a big issue, right? I personally don't believe that people should be locked up for using cannabis. I mean, people can go buy it. It just shouldn't happen. And I hope that we see that continue to change for the positive. Absolutely. It's a great program. You know, you're in the business. And I remember talking to this one gentleman who was the CEO and then he felt like he needed to step away because he didn't know how he could explain it to his kids. They were going to get older, which I felt like he basically had a negative view of what cannabis is. What would you say to parents or other business owners or just workers, right? Who are in the cannabis business and they have kids and they might feel, you know, ashamed or embarrassed. I think that that's such a common thing. And that's a great question because I think this is like such a hurdle for anyone that wants to get into this industry, right? They're going to sort of grapple with these things. And what are my folks going to think? What are my kids going to think? What are my kids' friends' parents going to think? You know, are they going to not let their kids play with my kid because me as the parent works in the cannabis industry? And I think those are natural fears to have my personal outlook on it is, you know, I want to be very open and honest with my kids. I certainly don't condone anyone underage using cannabis or smoking cannabis or using any of these products, really no different than I would with drinking. Drinking is such a part of our culture where most kids go off and have the college experience. And really what that is, is, well, you're on your own for four years and you got to figure out how to manage binge drinking and having responsibilities that you have to take care of, like going to school and getting good grades. So for me, and this is interesting because I have this conversation with my wife all the time because her family might be a little bit more reserved and, you know, they've been super supportive, but at the same time, I think they're a little bit cautious. Like, you know, I don't know. It's not like they're embarrassed, but like, they're definitely like, well, what if it smells and the kids smell it? Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, I probably just want to have an open and honest conversation with my kids. Like, 
I have a five-year-old and a 12-year-old. And the 12-year-old is very close to that age where, for me, when I started smoking cannabis, I was probably, you know, 14 years old, something in that range. So I want it to be a thing where I can have the conversation and say, hey, I use these products. I'm not going to lie about it. And the reason I do is because it helps with my anxiety. It helps me be more calm and present. It helps me be more patient as a spouse and as a parent. And I use these products because I'm of age and I'm not opposed to them when they're of age using these products. If that's what they choose to do, I just want them to hear that narrative from me as opposed to hearing it from someone else. And then you know, questioning because I never had that conversation with them. My policy kind of is this, when my kids come asking, I'm just going to be very direct and honest with them. And I'm not opposed to having my kids, you know, see what I do in manufacturing these types of products. Cause hemp, what we use to make CBD is cannabis. It looks, it smells like cannabis. I'm fine with having my kids see it and sort of educating them as to why I do what I do and how this works for people and what the benefits are. It just comes down to education at the end of the day. I mean, kids yeah, for sure. are going to be surrounded. I mean, I have four kids, so they're going to be surrounded by stuff. And it's so much different today than it was back when we were growing up. Right, Jeremy? So it's, oh my it's like gosh. access yes. to information. So you got to get ahead of it because we didn't have information in the internet readily available like that. So now you have to really get ahead of it. So I think it's just to your point, I love it just open, honest communications and so that they can ho- hopefully get the truth from you or you show them where you can find the truth if they are interested and want to learn more. The last thing I want them to do is to like Google my business or me and see certain things and then have questions that I haven't answered. So the narrative has been taken away from me and how that I convey that to my kids and my family for that matter. So I try to be an open book. People can see, I hope that, you know, I'm not a degenerate. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm not a criminal. I'm in this industry to help people. And I hope that that's what they take away when we talk, not, hey, this guy's in this industry that's a little bit dicey or shady, you know? And we definitely are seeing the evolution of it. I think just like anything else, once there's enough education and then research, I mean, I don't want to open up another can of worms, but it's, it's just like COVID and pandemic, right? Until the information is kind of vetted yes. and clear, then, I mean, you're always going to have opinions, yep. but hopefully you just have that following, that audience that follows you, that's aligned with your values and what you're trying to do. Exactly. And that's all I can ask for, right? Like <laughs> not everyone's going to agree with me and that's okay. And I'm always a spirited debater. So I want to like, tell them and educate them. But at the end of the day, if we have to agree to disagree on things, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with respecting people's opinions. And if they're so dead set against it, that's okay. That's within their right to be that way. I just hope that they don't judge me personally on the fact that I work in this industry and they judge me for me and my character, not what I do. Correct. We're almost at the end of time here, but I wanted to get a couple more just insights about you as a Superman being doing all this stuff. You know, you're a dad, you're an entrepreneur, you're in a really, you know, competitive industry. How do you keep it all together? I think before we started, we talked about this morning, there was a two hour snow delay. You and I both had this, right? So our our mornings are like a ripple effect. And then I wasn't sure if you got to jump on this podcast on time, which which I would have been fine. But like, what do you do? How do you stay organized and, and focused? 
it's hard. And I think me by nature, I'm not like a person that is like super organized and regimented on everything that I do. So that's a real challenge for me. The best thing that I can try to do is every day, just communicate, communicate with my wife, communicate with my kids, communicate with my business partners and the people that work for us and over communicate. You know, I try to lay out a tentative schedule and it almost never goes according to plan. But, you know, I think just setting the list of priorities where it's like, if there's one thing I can accomplish today, here's the mission critical thing. And that's the thing I'm dedicating my energy to all the other stuff, you know, that's secondary and just really breaking it down in that small way and just trying to stay focused. And the other thing is to really just be dialed into my family's needs because as an entrepreneur, I think the people who gravitate to this, they get consumed by their work. You know, there are days that I work all day and then I come home and it's like the kids are in bed and I'm sitting in bed with my laptop working. And my wife is like, can you put that freaking thing away? Because I want to relax and you're still like going, going, going. And I think just making time to be present, whether it's with your spouse, with your kids, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to, you know, give my kids undivided attention for eight hours a day. But when you are present and there in the moment and you can do like a scheduled thing or have a little downtime with them to take that opportunity, put the phone away, put the computer away and just be dialed in that moment because those are the things that they remember and they're going to carry with them. Not, hey, I was a workaholic and I was never around. Hey, you know, I got to play cards with dad and I enjoyed doing that. Or with my wife being able to take like uh, a Sunday and like bring the kids to the in-laws and go somewhere and just have a little downtime so that we can talk about things that aren't business related or kid related. That's literally the thing that I try to do the most. It's balanced. As I'm hearing you talk, I had the same type of kind of like, you know, deep conversation with my wife one day. She's like, calm. Like I, can you just turn it off at five o'clock? You know? And then once I made that switch, like it's just, but it has to be a priority for you. Yes. Right? And hopefully it is. I hope people who are listening, you got to make that priority for your family and everyone else. Cause they're your support network. Right. We're doing, we're doing this for them. Right. Right. So it's a holistic realm. So everything you're saying is spot on. So that's awesome that you're doing that, Jeremy. Kudos to you and your kids and your wife and everyone around you is going to, you know, just be more supportive because they know that you're being mindful and intentional to be focused on them. That's the biggest thing too, right? It's the support system because when you try to go it alone and you neglect those things, it creates turmoil in your relationship that distracts you from the work that you're doing. It distracts you from being a parent. It distracts you from life and you get so bogged down with that. You just got to make the time when it's there and communicate, you know? I still struggle with communicating as much as I try to do it over time, right? Me too. It's, it's, the key thing is effort and ongoing communication. <laughs> listen, effort goes a long way. And I think there's something to be said for that, right? Like <laughs> my spouse is so supportive and she's a professional too. So like she has her own stuff going on with work and everything else. And when I'm like insufferable with this stuff, she's understanding because she knows and I communicate to her like frequently my intentions of this and my goals for like us as a family and my kids, like 
a lot of what I do is for them, but it also takes me away from them. So also being able to listen. So like when I'm not doing a good job of being in the moment and paying attention so that I hear my wife being like, hey, we have this thing. The kids want you to be here present, you know, put that stuff away. And it's like that reminder of like, all right, she's right. Get rid of this stuff and just be here in the moment and spend the time. And they're just going to be behind you in that, you know? I think that is just a, a life lesson because it, it works both ways. If there's just a lot of stuff happening, that's bogging up your, your bandwidth in your mind with family, you might not be present at work, right? And yeah, your team sure. and your partners need you. So it works both ways. I think it's just the, the best practice of just being mindful and just being present. And it's tough because it's so easy to say, but it's hard to do, but it's the practice of doing it every day. Just like working out or anything else, right? Man. You just got to be aware about it and just like work on it all the time. And then it hopefully becomes like this muscle memory. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So before we wrap up, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the world. So tell us about what are you guys working on right now? So we're actually right now, I would consider us a retailer of CBD and hemp products. We're actually going to be closing our North Smithfield store March 1st. And we're going and getting a new space in Hopedale, Mass. And we're going to be more focused on manufacturing these products and selling them to other businesses and online. The retail uh, part of our business was such a like bog down for us because while it allowed us to be present for our customers that are local, it also was like, you know, the pandemic really put a wrench in everything and retail was so slow. You know, we're figuring out other ways where we can connect with people online. So when people have questions or want like a consultation or talk to somebody that can guide them, they can set up time on our website and we can talk like we're doing now through a Zoom call and just communicate with them that way. You know, there's big things. We're really going heavy into the manufacturing, a number of health products that we already currently make. And we're also kind of heading into the vape and smokable market in the hemp industry, which I would consider more of like a rec market. We've been doing that, but you know, that's kind of our bridge into cannabis. I feel like that's the space that we will hopefully take what we're doing in hemp and combine it with maybe what they're doing in the rec market and be able to have this sort of middle ground, sort of medical rec hybrid type of products. And that's where we're headed. That's what we want to be doing. That's awesome. You're just innovating and just really listening to your consumers at the end of the day. So good luck with everything, Jeremy. Keep me in the loop. Love to have you Absolutely. back on to give us an update of what's happening. So if, sure. other pe if other people want to follow up with you, if they just have questions and they're really interested to learn more, like what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yep. So you can check out our websites, www.eastcoastherbalist.com. There's all sorts of contact information. There's literature, there's educational stuff on there. Or if you have questions, you can contact me directly. I'm happy to talk with anyone who's either interested in these products or other businesses, or, you know, even people that might be interested in getting into the cannabis industry and want to talk to someone that, you know, came from like a professional background and, you know, want to hear about the experience and pearls of wisdom I can give them. I'm happy to do it. My email is Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y at eastcoastherbalist.com. You can always reach out there and uh, I'm pretty good about trying to get back to people within, you know, 24 hours. So thank you so much, Jeremy. This is what it's all about. And this community that we're building here, 
you're layering onto it. You know, we're all paying it forward and just sharing our stories, try to help and lift everyone up. So I really appreciate your time um, and being vulnerable and letting us know what's going on here. So best of luck with you and we'll see you soon. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks for spending your time with us. This podcast is for you. And if you have any topics you'd like to learn more about or suggestions, please email us at podcast at indicativemarketing.com. And don't be a stranger. Connect with me on LinkedIn.